The National Institute for Permanent Family Connectedness is podcasting a series of interviews that spotlight the emerging shifts and practice trends in child protection systems around the globe. We share these conversations in order to provoke discussion and to further practice innovation that betters the experience of young people, parents, families, and communities in need of support. In this episode, I asked Kevin to discuss the transformative journey from establishing family finding as an evidence-based practice to emphasizing family finding as a path to social justice, which affirms the rights of children, parents, families, and community. Here's Kevin. I know one of the things that you've been talking about recently, and I wonder if you could explore that a little bit more, is that shift from at one point trying to create evidence-based practice in order to justify and expand family finding to being in a different place around I no longer feel like I need to justify that we should have people that love and care about a young person in their lives. <laughs> and it's more, more of a social justice piece rather than <laughs> yeah. trying to justify something that you know, is a, is a right. Yeah. And so uh, talk, talk a little bit about uh, Well, that. another, another uh, wonderful connection I made in my journey was um, a Supreme Court justice in Pennsylvania by the name of Max Baer. And, and Justice Baer and I met when the youth in Montana and, and Andrew, another wonderful person, Matt Anderson, were making this film called From Place to Place. And Bessel van der Kolk was part of that group as well. And But recently, I was in Nebraska with Justice Baer confronting some challenges. And Justice Baer, to your point, Brought, brought a legal perspective as a jurist and, and a Supreme Court justice that I thought that makes that point. I mean, I really did do my best, and, and we raised a lot of money. I, I sat around and tried to add this up. I mean, like, how much money got spent on family-finding research? So not just the researchers, but the services. Yeah. And I would say it was con- conservatively $100 million yeah. in this journey that continues to this vision of something called evidence. The point you make was made very well by Justice Baer, who said, look, you know, at least for the United States, the relationship between a parent and their child is a guaranteed right Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Constitution. Mm -hmm. And Bear said that in most places on most days that lawyers could make a successful claim that these may be the single area in in rights on most days that is most trampled. Mm -hmm. We, at least in this country, have said from the beginning that there was a and I've used the word today, a sacred relationship that must be protected Mm -hmm. between a parent and that child. Mm -hmm. I think it's an accepted value in this country that where it is safe, children must be supported to be with their first families Mm -hmm. and and that we have a sacred obligation to publicly uh, to invest in the kind of services that would offer people that promise. And and again, I, I not only think that's important to acknowledge, but I also think that as I reflect on the where we're at in the science, that the science seems to tell that truth. I will add this, if you don't, I know it's going to a little bit different place, but, but I've been saying this in some public conversations. One of the things I've been really struck by in the last two years, especially after the American Academy came out with the piece in, in the fall I spoke about, and then later that, or around that same week, the Alliance for Strong Families and the Center for the Developing Child at Harvard had collaborated on writing a paper about bringing this 21st century science to child welfare, which is a powerful document worth reading. I think it's a first cut 
at imagining a future child welfare system that infuses this science, but it's really a very useful one. But what I, I will say that, that I've been saying to groups also is one of the things that I'm excited about is this convergence between so-called 21st century science and the wisdom of the ages that we can go back to some reading I did and some study I did about Judaism, for example, Christianity and in Islam. And, I, and the question was, what, what do these three traditions have to say about raising successful and healthy children? And as it turns out, they say the same three things. They say that children should be raised to understand the importance of caring for others or to have empathy, that, that children must have a large and supportive network, and finally that they must grow up with the belief that life is good and worth living. Mm -hmm. And when I consider those three, the ideas from those traditions, and there are many other traditions that, are, sure. that, see, that speak similarly, and then compare it to the truths about, about 21st century science, they converge. Mm -hmm. And I find that to be extremely hopeful, mm -hmm. a way to bring science together with faith, with indigenous tradition, with national beliefs, I will call our constitution a set of beliefs and agreements. Mm -hmm. The convergence of these things I find to be absolutely powerful and hopeful. Our biggest challenge is to move what became, what has become quite frankly very entrenched social service bureaucracies uh, away from the process of serving the bureaucracy yeah. to serving the child. Yeah. And to do that in a way that because that sounds brutal in a way, but I don't mean it to be, but I would say we have to do that in a way that holds the humanity and dignity of everyone involved yeah. at the center of it. Yes. For years I've said the two loneliest people I met in, a, in America's child welfare system was a long-waiting teenager and their caseworker, and I said, and I meant then and I mean now, that their fates are linked together, mm -hmm. and that really isn't ever going to work to have a system that has to place the value on one person to be greater than that of another. Yeah. So the more we ignore the experience of caseworkers and social workers and, and other professionals in these public and private agencies at, at, as, at, as, a, as a cost that must be paid to deliver the most basic care, and let me be really explicit here, basic care that so children will survive their childhoods. Right. That, that is a value proposition that doesn't work on the face of it. Right. That really, if we borrow from the 21st century science and ancient traditions, that really the way we need to view these kids and their families is through the lens of a life course mm -hmm. about an objective of a good life. Mm -hmm. But that good life should apply to everyone involved in the story. Right. That's equity. Right. That's a participatory approach based in equity mm -hmm. rather than an exclusionary approach based in power. That was really powerful. Our next episode contains a bonus conversation between Kevin and my colleague Mike Mertz. Mike asks Kevin to reflect on the growing acceptance and interest in family finding internationally, and his observations on the similarities of practice and conditions in these international child welfare communities. The primary interest. Mm -hmm. What have you found within the different governmental systems that, that you've participated in? What similarities have you found? It's strikingly similar. I didn't assume that, really didn't know what to think. I've made five trips to Australia in the last two, two and a half years and trained with several thousand 
practitioners across the country and then now in Europe that it's strikingly similar mm -hmm. and that the challenges are so similar and that to me is absolutely fascinating because when I began to see that and I did see that here in the United States right we saw from one state to another it looks so similar and then we when I went to Canada also similar so it's meaningful to me when you see that the challenges are the same, but the places are so far apart. What does that tell us? And it tells us maybe that the origins of the problems are the same. For people that have been struggling at times, and we all struggle in this work, I think, at times, um, it can begin to feel as though you've got a unique problem that you've created. You feel very alone in it, and, you, and, and it feels impossible. And when I began to see how consistent the challenges were in the Western world, and that they had a common origin, that began to free me from the idea that, what, you know, who says that in the future that child protection will look anything like it looks now, or that we'll even use the same words for it. I, that's how I'm feeling at this point, is that we need, we might want a new language, we might want new words, and to understand that common origin is freeing. To learn more about NIPFC's written products and training offerings, or to sign up for our permanency blasts, visit our website at familyfinding.org or email familyfinding at senecacenter.org.